Hey, good morning. Welcome back to the program. I'm Emilio Desperado, and this is your show all about real estate. And if this is your first time, I guess I can't say welcome back, but welcome to the Desperado Team Real Estate Show. We're excited to have you. We got some great, great uh, presenters on with us today, great contributors on with us today. And we're here to talk about the ins and outs of you know, buying and selling real estate, helping you navigate this process. Okay. So I'm a local resource for you, not just a voice on the air. You can call me. I'll give you my direct cell phone number throughout the show. But if you have a pen and paper, I want you to write this down. You give me a call with any of your real estate questions. 401-359-2338. Phone is already going off. Look at that. I'd like to welcome Paul Salcone, of North Point Bank. Paul is a sales manager and a loan officer. He's one of the top dogs out of that office, which is also one of the top loan originators in the state. Needless to say, I mean, he's worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients, maybe even over a thousand plus clients at this point in his career that have bought everything from your first time buyers to commercial, to uh, investment properties, all the way to uh, refinances. He handles all of that stuff. So he's a wealth of information. Paul, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Paul, we get a lot of questions from buyers and sellers alike about the mortgage pre-approval process. Uh, and I, I'm actually glad that you brought this, this topic up today because I have several questions for you as well. Um, Paul, can you jump into that? Absolutely. So, Emilio, as you know, in this market in particular, because it's such a uh, competitive market, you know, inventory is a premium. I mean, let's talking about what, what's going on right now. When you do have, you know, a, a prospective client or someone putting an offer in, you know, pre-approvals are key because, you know, as you know, go to open house or showing. If you're not ready to pull the trigger from that moment on, pretty much, you know, you could be the house could be under contract within 24 to 48 hours. So you really mm -hmm. have to be ready. And when people say, are you pre-approved? That's a very common question. Now, have you been pre-approved? Well, yes, I've been pre-approved or pre-qualified or, you know, there's kind of that, that gray area, so to speak, that you deal with when you hear this. So when I say pre-approval, what I'm talking about is when I get a client or a referral, I make sure, number one, you know, we explain the process. You know, we talk about what it entails. You know, you go from the, you know, running credit, obviously, you know, verifying assets, down payment, going through the, um, you know, the income process, looking at W-2s, pay stubs, uh, tax returns, whatever it may be. So the process is a little bit more than just saying, oh, yeah, oh, I, I can qualify. And you know what? In the old days, maybe that was sufficient. But in this market, you really have to have, you know, all your ducks in a row in order to make this come to fruition. Yep. Um, and and that, that's what I pride myself on. If I give a pre-approval letter to to you or another uh, another advisor I work with, you know, you know that I ran their credit. I obviously collected documentation. And when people say, well, what do I need to give you? Well, guess what? If you really want a true approval, you need to give me, number one, license, social security number. I have to run your credit. There's no way I can give you a pre-approval letter without running your credit. Um, you know, secondly would be, you know, bank statements to verify, okay, I'm putting down X and Y dollars. So I have bank statements. I can source the funds. You know, people that put cash, large deposits, that has to be, you know, kind of identified from day one. Where did that money come from? Because then in the end, you can't use it if it's not something we can source. And then thirdly would be income. You know, if you have a W-2 job, you're a salary employee, an hourly employee, okay, I can see your pay stubs. I can see your year to date makes sense. But if you're someone with commission or bonus or overtime, you really have to take all that into consideration because those things are not always guaranteed. And if you don't ask the questions and you don't do your search, you know, research ahead of time, it could actually um, make a client who looks really strong all of a sudden not qualify 
you know, not having a two-year history as, you know, self-employed. They're, they're, you know, so as you can see, all these things come together when we do a pre-approval. And once I go through all that and give you a letter, I actually run findings to make sure we get what's called an approved eligible. So we take this very seriously. It's not something where we just, you know, oh, yeah, you're pre-approved. We, it's, 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 it is approval. It, it's, a, it's an approval minus a property. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how I, how I look at this. I love it, Paul. Very well explained. And we have a lot of buyers that call us and just say, hey, I want to go see this property. And, you know, one of the things that we, especially if they're coming into our listings that we absolutely have to have, have to see is we need a pre-approval letter or we need proof of funds. We need to see that you're eligible to walk into our client's home. And when we're working with buyers too, in many cases, Paul, we've actually had buyers scream at us and say, why, why? No one else is asking for that. And, and we say, well, that that's, that's part of the problem. Like we have, you know, so many people that call us on a daily basis that we want to help out and not everybody is going to qualify and you're walking into people's homes, you know, and, and you're going and meeting with our advisors Think about that too. It's a safety thing. So I get like whenever anybody is like, no, I'm not going to get a pre-approval. I I personally, I won't work with them. I will not work with them because it's like, well, all right. Number one, the safety check that's out the window. That's the most important thing, right? You think I'm going to send Liana or Jackie or any, any woman from my brokerage out to meet with you without even knowing who you are as a person. Absolutely. Right. It's a safety yeah, thing. It really know, is. They're not, we're not doing that. Right. That's number one. Number two. Well, I, what happens if we're out looking around and you don't qualify for this home in this highly competitive market or what happens when you're going out there, Paul, and you're a buyer and you're going up against 20 other buyers and offer deadline is today because that happens all the time. And you're not even pre-approved yet. You're right. It's almost impossible. Doing? It's very difficult to make it come together. You don't cut a shot. So in a market like this, especially buyers, you got to be prepared. And if if you're working with a real estate agent that's like, yeah, I'll just take you out without a pre-approval. They're not doing you any justice at all because you, you could have a blip on your credit report that Credit Karma doesn't tell you about. Absolutely. Right? That could yeah. be a nail in your coffin and you're making arrangements not to sign your renewal on your lease when you probably should be. And, uh, and you're up the Creek, man, you're up the Creek. No, you're, you're right. I actually, it's funny. You mentioned this. I actually have a client right now as we speak, I'm actually doing a, a rescue mission here. I call it. I have a, someone who's under contract with another, another advisor. They have, you know, a property put down a large deposit. All of a sudden it's supposed to close in three weeks. And the, um, you know, the mortgage, uh, you know, loan officer they're working with gave him a pre-approval letter that's probably not worth the paper it's printed on. Come to find out it's a self-employed borrower with a six-month history, no tax returns. And now I have to make this come together. And again, I'm, I have programs that you can get, get outside, you know, make this work. But I'll tell you what this much, if we didn't have this, um, you know, this special program I'm talking about, this particular client would have lost a large deposit, you know, check. They would have made, uh, you know, a lot of enemies between agents and, and sellers and, and attorneys. So this is a perfect example. Someone just went out, showed them properties, didn't have real pre-approval, put an offer in. And guess what? Not all the time can you save it. I was lucky I can save this one, but it doesn't always happen that way. The rescue and, mission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> hey, if you're yeah. just tuning in, I'm talking to the one and only Paul Salcone with North Point Bank. You know, Paul is is uh, one of my go-to lenders. He's fantastic. Picks up the phone, answers all of my clients' questions. I strongly recommend uh, Paul for any mortgage questions. His company can help you in, I believe, all 50 states, North That's Point. That's correct. Um, you know, they're 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 a lending institution. Um, they're, they they take deposits to their bank. Right. So it's a little bit different than some of your other mortgage brokers. Uh, high quality people there, high quality products. And 401-419-9291 is how you reach him on his personal cell. Again, 401-419-9291. You know, Paul, I, I got to tell my listeners real quick and I want you to hear this, too. Over the years, we're almost nine years doing this radio program, and we get inquiries all the time from mortgage companies that want to get on the air with us and whatnot. And throughout our whole almost nine years, there has only been one, two, three, I want to say three mortgage companies we have allowed on air. That's it. Wow. That's it, right? So it's like, I want our listeners to know something that... We hand select the people that are on this show, right? We hand select them and we want somebody who's going to give you the timely balanced truths of the market, not somebody that's going to come sell you a fairy tale, right? We want people that know what they're doing, that are tried and true and reputable. And that's what we got here with Paul Salcone with North Point Bank. Um, so good stuff, Paul. Hey, Paul, I get a lot of clients, a lot of sellers um, that get confused when we're presenting offers to them and we say, Hey, look, these buyers are pre-approved, you know, they're good to go. And then, and they're like, okay, great. And then we're going through the offer. Uh, and then it comes to the mortgage contingency section. And I explain, yeah, they're pre-approved, but they're not fully approved. And this for some reason throws, you know, sellers for a loop. Okay. Can you explain the difference between a pre-approval and a full on approval for a mortgage? Sure, sure. So, uh, uh, you know, typical or industry common uh, pre-approval could be maybe they did run credit, collect a few documents. You know, they did their due diligence to a certain point, meaning, OK, credit score works. Uh, you know, the job history is relatively secure. You know, they do. I see some money in the bank, but I really didn't go through underwriting. I, I, I kind of put it in the system and it looked good in the surface. But, you know, when, when a true pre-approval or, or approval, I should say, true approval means you did more than just the basics. I mean, you also maybe got a verification of employment, what's called a VOE. So if a borrower has some situation where maybe their income is, you know, more seasonal or they have a situation where they have some commission bonus, we actually dig a little deeper. When I have a client like that, I'll actually go to their employer and get a verification of, you know, what they make, what their, you know, compensation package looks like. So that's one part is doing the, the background on their actual employment history, as well as what they make and what the company will verify. Because remember, mm -hmm. what you make and what the company verifies are two different things. And we go by what the company verifies. So that, that's Good. one of the things with, with a true approval. Um, secondly, we'll look at things that maybe you don't see on the surface. Credit score. Okay. You see their credit actual score. But when you look at their history, if they have any late mortgage payments in the past 12 months at any property they own, technically, if that comes up, they don't qualify for a conventional mortgage. Most people don't realize that till after the fact. Or God forbid they had a bankruptcy, um, you know, a short sale. There's certain waiting periods. So when we do a true approval, we factor all these things into the equation beyond just credit score. And, oh, they look pretty good, you know, down payment wise. And, oh, they have a job. So that's when a true approval really means something. We run the findings because if it comes back as what's called approve eligible, that means it's it's a, it's a approved loan. Underwriter approved it. If it comes back as a refer or ineligible 
that's when there's issues. And if you don't do the full, you know, your full due diligence, your full, you know, background, you won't find that out until after the fact. So you, in theory, could give a pre-approval letter and not go the next extra step. And now all of a sudden, and the surface looks good, but then when it goes underwriting down the road, you have a property under contract. Guess what? It's not closing. And that's the worst conversation, the worst call to make in your life to someone who thinks they're already approved. Then all of a sudden, oh, well, it doesn't work out calling the advisors, calling the sellers. It, it, it's not a good situation to be in. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Appreciate that explanation. Again, guys, Paul Salcone, North Point Bank. You can give him a shout on his cell phone number, 401-419-9291. 419-9291. He can assist you with any type of mortgage questions. Great stuff. Paul, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate hey, it. Thank you, Amelia. I enjoyed my time. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice job. Thank you so much. Good stuff, guys. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back here in a couple minutes on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. And this segment has been powered by North Point Bank. All right. Welcome back to the program. I'm Emilio Despirito. And uh, this is your show all about real estate, the ins, the outs of buying and selling. We want to make sure you know everything you can to make the right informed decisions. Today, we've got a special guest. We've got Ted Tapuzis of Tapuzis and Associates. He's a real estate attorney focused specifically on real estate. And I got to tell you, if you know anything about real estate, it's important to make sure that your back is covered, that somebody has your back on the legal end, whether you're buying or selling. And you don't want to go to a divorce attorney for this. You don't want to go to a, an estate planner for this. You want to go to somebody that specifically deals in this niche. And that's Ted Tapuzis of Tapuzis and Associates. You can go ahead and go to taclosinglaw.com to find out more. Again, taclosinglaw.com to find out more about Ted. But uh, today we're going to be talking about the difference between marketable and insurable title. And that's why Ted's here to talk about that. Ted, welcome back. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was an interesting uh, uh, topic to discuss uh, today that you know, lots of people don't don't know um, that this is a, a clause that's in. It's not only in in uh, Massachusetts, you know, but it's also in the Rhode Island contract, and it's probably in. In uh, I haven't looked in other states' co uh, contracts. I mean, I do. I practice in several states. You know, uh, Rhode Island, Mass, uh, Connecticut, and Florida. But um, mm -hmm. but you know, for example, in in our contract here in Rhode Island, uh, we've got um, a provision that says. Um, the seller shall convey property by blank, usually, you know, quick claim deed, warranty deed, usually warranty deed, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If it's to a third party, um, uh, conveying a good, I'm reading from it, a, a good, clear, insurable, and marketable title to the property free from all encumbrances except the easements and restrictions of record, right, government regulations, uh, so on. So, um, and, you know, so I'll just explain real quick what, you know, the way that this normally works is when we get a, a contract for, um, you know, purchase title is run, um, you know, through the, uh, we ha we run it through the title insurance company. Um, you know, I don't run the title myself. Um, I, although I know what I'm doing and can do it, I choose to, to go to the, the insurance company to do the search, um, you know, because they're insuring already. And uh, and, you know, if, they, if there's anything that's missed, you know, which, you know, presumably they, it, things can get missed because they're these are manually, um, you know, input into the public records. It's not like it's an automated process. So if there's a misindexed uh, name, last name, you know, for a document like a deed or 
a mortgage or um, or a judgment or a lien of some sort, then these documents will not pick uh, come up in a title search. Title searches are done, uh, you know, running grantor grantee indices. You know, like uh, running the last name and the first name of the seller, last name and first name of the buyer, and mm-hmm. then just matching up to see what's coming up. Um, so you know, if something gets missed, you know, then then you know. Theoretically, there's, an, there's you know, obviously an issue that, that that didn't get picked up at closing that that could be ex- an exposure to a buyer. So, you know, so that that's why we run it through the insurance company. But taking a step back from there, um, you know, just to explain this, uh, um, you know, the difference between these two, um, marketable insurable title is pretty much the standard uh, when it comes to um, selling a proper, uh, buying a property, um, you know, and you're getting financing from uh, a, a bank. Um, yeah, but, uh, but there are exceptions to this rule and, and the primary exception is really going to be when, where, uh, property is, let's say, um, uh, sold like a, or purchased, um, like a bank owned property, um, you know, where they, ins- they only sell insurable, not marketable and insurable title. So what that means in, in English is that, um, if there's something that, um, that the, so the bank always has a, a title insurance policy. Um, when they foreclose on a property, and this is starting to come, become a little more relevant. This is why I'm bringing this up uh, now, but because you're starting to see a little bit more of this uh, inventory being, uh, you know, default uh, um, related, um, you know, REOs. So um, these banks, when they foreclose, they have a loan policy um, that, uh, that that insured their uh, mortgage. Um, and when that mortgage gets foreclosed and the bank takes title to the property at the foreclosure sale, uh, or through a deed in lieu, now they become the owner of the property. And that mortgage policy kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say, that, you know, I don't know if that, that technically is right, but but I would say it kind of converts to an owner's policy. Got it. So if there's something that, that existed prior to that um, that mortgage, and, and the most common thing is really just a, a uh, you know, when that, because that, that transaction at one point when that mortgage that got foreclosed um, you know, that, that transaction might've been a refi. It might've been a, um, a purchase, um, you know, from somebody else. So a mortgage, another mortgage got paid off. Let's say that mortgage payoff, uh, you know, resulted in a discharge that was improper, you know, had a mistake on it, uh, or it just didn't result in a discharge at all. You know, maybe they forgot, you know, Hey, uh, you know, like there's lots of times this kind of thing happens where you have to follow up on the, on the discharge, say, hey, we, we paid you off on this day. You know, um, here's a copy of the canceled check or the wire. Um, why wasn't this discharged? And so um, and usually you get you track down the discharge. But but it, for simplicity's sake and also for some speed, um, you know, on these bank owns, um, they'll say, look, you'll get a letter. Um, from the insurance company that we have as the insurance company to your insurance company buyer um, of this REO property now, um, that'll that'll say, look, if, if there's a loss as to this particular item, um, then we will give you coverage. Meaning um, insurance company for that, that mortgage, the, the bank that foreclosed will give coverage to insurance company for that new buyer. Makes sense. That's called insurable title. And so the... Uh, but in these transactions, they're not sold with insurable and marketable. But but let's say a standard transaction, let's say from one of your agents, uh, where you would can you know say, hey Ted, can you do this closing for me? Um, you know, and and the buyer is going to be getting a, a loan, um, you know, um, you know from Movement Mortgage. 
mm-hmm. um, then you'd be um, that would be a marketable and insurable title. Okay, and and uh, so you know either way though you know title insurer a uh, title insurer will run the title. Um, the only difference is you have to look at the language in the contract because if it says insurable title only, then then you see something that predates the uh, the um, uh, the mortgage that got foreclosed and turned into like a foreclosure deed. Now mm-hmm. you, the only option you've got is to purchase that. Yeah, to purchase it with an indemnification letter. Yeah. So, so an indemnification that that process changes a little bit from state to state. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a that's an important consideration because lots of times, you know, the reason why I'm bringing it up today is uh, we had a transaction um, that uh, was a bank-owned property. It was in Massachusetts, and uh, um, you know there was a improperly discharged mortgage, just like I explained. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this mortgage um, predated the mortgage that eventually got foreclosed. Um, you know, and this is a normal thing, you know, so you usually get an indemnification letter, but if the insurance company that the bank had that foreclosed is the same insurance company as the, as the, um, the, uh, buyer is choosing, then the, um, the, that insurance company can say, look, you know, we're not going to make a claim on ourselves. We're going to, we understand we're responsible for this thing. And if there is a problem that comes up, you know, we're, uh, we're completely obligated to to, you know, to, to resolve it. Um, you know, so, but you know, the issue was a problem for that buyer because the buyer felt like, uh, how do I know that when I go and sell that, um, you know, my, um, buyer, uh, will not, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go with another insurance company, not with the same company that we just used. So maybe it'll come up and it'll hold me up on my sale. And, uh, and so that deal didn't come through, which, I mean, there's a risk to do this on every transaction, really, because uh, you know, even even regular transactions do use indemnification letters and and mm-hmm. also undertakings, um, you know, things like this. This is a standard in the industry, so it's not like it's something that uh, is shady. Um, yeah. No, it's absolutely not. So, real, just a real little state, information. It's never just cut and dry, Ted. I mean, even even when our clients, you know, they don't. They're not going to see all the inner workings, thank God, right? But it's like something that that your office handles, stuff that we handle, all those things to get to the finish line. And there's hundreds and hundreds of steps. And then if this happens, we have to do this or this or this, you yes. know. And when when I hear you talking about this stuff, right, I, first off, I'm like, wow, thank God that we have attorneys that handle this because I wouldn't even know where to start with it, Right. That's right. that's number one. Number two, I, I'm thinking about all of the times that this probably happens that we're not even always aware of because you guys go through and handle as best as you can. But right. Ted, out of how many transactions would you say, you know, um, out of, say, 100 transactions, how many fall apart because of issues with marketable or insurable title? That's a, that's a uh, Amelia, that's a pretty good question. Um, and I'm going to tell you that it doesn't happen very often. No, um, maybe, at all. maybe like one out of a thousand maybe, or, or, um, I don't, I wouldn't say one of a thousand. I, I would say maybe, um, uh, maybe one out of a, one out of a hundred. I, I, no. I yeah, I would say maybe 10 out of a, th- yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I, cause it's just, it's a, the thing is, it's a common uh, practice. That's why we have letters of indemnification. It's not like it's a novelty. It's not like it's uh, um, me giving some other attorney a um, 
a a promise, you know, like an indemnification. I promise I'll fix that. Yeah, that's that's an unusual thing. And how do we, you know, I mean, you you, you kind of bank on the um, you know, the 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 credibility and and the uh, and the reputation that uh, that the insurance company has from one insurance company to another that they're not going to leave the uh, the next guy in line hanging if there's an issue. And so and that's just because it works both ways. Um, you know, and that's why these things don't usually result in a, uh, uh, um, a transaction that doesn't happen. For one reason or another, this, this was not, this was too much of a risk, which I don't think it was a risk at all, but, but too much risk for that buyer and the buyer decided not to move forward. But, but it, these transactions closed every single day, uh, wow, just yeah. like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love it. Ted, I appreciate you and your expertise and you handling all these things behind the scenes that we don't have to worry about because they're in your hands. Thank God. And I got to tell you, if you're a listener, if you've had issues with marketable or insurable titles, or you're looking to buy or sell real estate in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, or Florida, I strongly suggest that you connect with the best here in the marketplace. Ted Tapuzis with Tapuzis and Associates. You can check them out at TAClosingLaw.com. Again, TAClosingLaw.com. Ted, thanks again for being here. Thanks, Amelia. I appreciate it. You bet. Great to be here and great to see you. Always, always. Hey, good stuff. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to be right back here in a couple of minutes. This segment has been powered by Tapuzis and Associates. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Emilio Desperado, and this is your show all about real estate, the ins, the outs. We're talking with the movers and the shakers in the industry, people that are getting it done, people that believe in the American dream, entrepreneurship, and capitalism, right? Go figure, right? Good stuff. It keeps the world going around, baby. It keeps it going around. So today we've got none other than Greg Rice, uh, the vice president of Nexus Property Management Franchises. And uh, he's working on some really great developments, which we'll get into later. But I brought him on as a subject matter expert into this topic we're going to bring up in a second. But first, Greg, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me on, brother. You're welcome, man. It's good to see you, Greg. I, your, your first time on the program, I think, was like 2016, long time ago. Yeah. And you've been a regular since. So thanks for taking the time to join us and to talk with our listeners here. You know, we love hearing about uh, people that are, are doing things in our communities. And Greg, I know that you and I both have the same kind of views on you know, really what gets our country to tick, really what gets the opportunities going. And, you know, there seems to be a growing number of people, which is fantastic, that are recognizing, you know, entrepreneurship, that are really fighting to grow and to create businesses and to create wealth. So it's exciting to have someone like you on that has done that for himself and has really gone in and revitalized so many communities um, with market rents. So here's the deal. Here's what I wanted to talk about today is the transformative role of market rent apartments in subsidized rental communities. So let me sum this up for our listeners real quick. There are several, several parts of you know the United States which have, um, I would say, primarily subsidized housing, okay? So this is areas where people can go in and get subsidized housing, okay? And there's nothing wrong with helping people in need, but there's something to be said for someone with a set of kahunas 
that goes into an area like that and builds marketable rent apartments, okay? Someone that goes in and, 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 and really, I guess some people would say gentrify an area, but what does that mean? What happens when we start bringing market rent into communities, okay? Um, so Greg, what, can you explain maybe some of the benefits that, that happen when you bring market rents into a community? Yeah, I mean, I think we should step back and say what communities have the most market rents and which ones have the least amount of market rents. And Woonsocket and Newport have 16% of their housing stock as subsidized. 16? 16, 15.9% to be specific. But can you believe that, that Newport and Woonsocket are the highest percentage in the state of Rhode Island? And I'm looking at the chart here, and actually the lowest percentage are places like Little Compton, Situate, Foster, Gloucester, places that are more rural. Yep. So the benefit of bringing in market rent to a place like Woonsocket is it's slowing down the trend of lack of business growth, lack of gentrification that's been happening in Woonsocket for, for decades now. So we need to start to tip the scale the other way. Mm -hmm. If we have some positive growth in a city where the mayor's trying very hard and her staff's doing a great job to try to change that seesaw, if you will. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, the compounding effects that market rent are going to have, think about it, right? You have professionals moving into a property, okay? They're making money. They're, they're going to go ahead and spend that money in the community, at local restaurants, at small businesses, at the local dance studio, at the, uh, you know, stores, convenience stores, whatever, gas stations, whatever it is, all that money is pouring into the community. And furthermore, Think about all of the local taxes that are now being collected from the sales taxes, from the income taxes, from the people that are employed in that community, the extra jobs that are now needed to service this, this clientele, the aesthetics, the maintenance of the properties. I mean, it's a compounding effect and it's just truly a domino effect, Greg. Yeah. One thing that's also important is when you put a new property and service like I'm going to do at the church, I'm taking 32 units essentially and bringing a new threshold or a new standard into Fairmount, into that section in Woonsocket. So yeah. what it raises the bar and it raises the expectations of the tenants in that area. In turn, it makes landlords have to clean up or do better or improve their properties if they want to be neighbors with me. If they sure. want to compete and they want to go for the same tenants, they're going to have to renovate their apartments. They're going to need granite counters. They're going to need to offer more amenities. So that's just an important thing to know is it makes the neighborhood better when you bring in a property like this. When you continue to bring the subsidized properties, nobody has any incentive to do better because they're still getting a check every month and they don't care about tenants. They don't need to. They're getting paid and they're doing the minimum possible. And we see that in Fairmount. It's a lot of subsidized units over there. Yeah, we see it in too many places, Greg. I mean, really. And and again, look, I'm I'm all for helping people in need. Okay. So let's not get that twisted. I'm all for helping people in need. I'm all for helping people. But I look at it as 
there's two different schools of thought. And then I want to get into the uh, the people's parish. I want to talk about that in a second. But there's two different schools of thought, right? There's people that like to have people stuck and they keep throwing them food, throwing them food. So they stay there stuck. And then there's people that say, hey, you know what? Let me go ahead and, and, and extend a ladder. I'm going to yep. show you how to get out of this pit, right? I think we teach people, we extend to the ladder and we give them a helping hand up. Let's go up. But they need to be making it happen. They need to make that work happen. I think we need to focus more on market rents, more on people that want to work hard, people that want to do it, and people that believe in the American dream before we lose this damn thing. Okay? So the People's Parish, Greg, this is a wonderful project. There was a church that was there on on uh, Olo Street, I'm sorry, in Woonsocket, Sacred Heart Church. It's It's been there for, you know what, since the 20s maybe? Yep. Okay. A lot of people have been baptized there, confirmed there. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, but unfortunately, the Diocese of Providence decided that they had to close it down from lack of parishioners. So instead of having this beautiful building just fall to disrepair greg you saw something in there can you talk about that project and where you are with that yeah so i saw the church i saw the rectory i saw the parking lot and i said wow what a shame it's got cobwebs on it it's been closed for four years no. so I said to the city i want to put apartments in here i want to put 32 apartments to be specific and the mayor and even the city council, which was hard to get on the same page back then oh, before yeah. the election, they all agreed. Everybody unanimously agreed that it was in the best interest of the city to do the zoning change as well as provide a tax treaty for my investment there. And I want people to know that the tax treaty is the only subsidy, if you will, that I'm receiving. I am getting no money from the uh, city of Woonsocket, the state of Rhode Island, or the federal government. Yep. So it's important for people to see that investments are po possible without subsidies and without having to have certain minimum requirements for housing percentages, et cetera. I was very steadfast on making a, a market rate development. Okay, 32 of these units market rate. I didn't want to have any type of ratios and I'm not doing this to be disrespectful. I'm just showing that we need to balance the scales. We can't have all subsidies, all low income housing for our new developments. We can still go the other way. And I think I've succeeded at that. Yeah, no, you've done a great job. And I think uh, I think that message is extremely important as well. And that community, I got to say, is has so much potential to be beautiful. It really does. Um, I mean, those, those big old houses around you and you're right, Greg, you're going to start to see a compounding effect over there. I think you're going to see some of the landlords go, well, wow, he's getting this for rent over there. I can clean my place up. I can go ahead and, and, and hopefully even keep some of the, the, the tenants that are there and, and, and really make this place beautiful again. And then it's boom, 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 domino effect down all the roads. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Good stuff, Greg. Now that this this is not anything for the faint of heart. I mean, it took you over a year. I mean, you explained it in thirty seconds. But Greg, I was there, uh, and I I watched not not everything, but a lot of it. And I was there at the, the the city council meetings, and I saw, you know, it was not easy uh, to change the zoning to get the approvals to, um, you know, jump through several several hoops, which you had to. 
Do you have any advice for any up and coming investors um, that want to work on, on projects, maybe similar or something like it? Yeah, the best advice, and it could apply to anything nowadays, is you can't rush. You have to be patient, even when you don't want to be patient. And it cost me a lot of money to be patient yeah. and a lot of lost sleep and a lot of things like that. So it's important that you relax, that you go with the flow and you let things happen and the cards fall as they may. And as they fall, you play them. You can't try to forgive them or change them. You have to just let them fall and say, all right, these are my hand. I got to go with this. I'll move here. And as I navigated down that road for over two years trying to get this done, I finally got there. So you need to be patient. People don't trust you. People don't know you. I'm a young guy. It's the first time I've made a development like this. So I had to change and impact a lot of minds. A lot of people have to believe in your project for it to go forward. Yeah, yeah. But on the other end, you also as a developer have to believe in the community. And I think there's more power in developers believing in a community than the meaning the government right of that area than the government believing in people because I'm more about the people versus the government, you know, than the government, right? You know, but but I do have to I do have to commend the city of One Socket. Um, not only the the people there, um, which I, I respect, but also the the uh you know mayor mayor baldelli she's she's doing a nice job she's really doing a nice job in that city and i don't say that often about our politicians because i think most of them are not you know i just i hate to say it but she is and uh kudos to her man i see a difference over there especially on mean street we talked about it in other segments and uh, I see some of the initiatives she's she's doing to bring more business in, to be more business friendly. And realistically, you need money to turn the wheel. You really do. So let's bring more business in. Let's bring more people in. Let's bring more market rents in. And let's keep this community thriving. Greg, thanks so much for being a wonderful part of uh, our communities here in Rhode Island, everything you do. And uh, thanks for being on the program. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Awesome. Great show today. Thank you so much. We still have more coming, but uh, this is the Despirito Team Real Estate Program. And this segment was powered by Nexus Property Management. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. On the line with us is Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com. Jennifer is the chief blogger slash owner slash cook and bottle washer. She. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I don't know how you do it all, Jennifer. Beautiful website, always updated. The best events in Rhode Island, locally owned and operated. We love riblogger.com. Check it all out. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. We've got the end of summer coming sooner than we'd like to even think. Um, but there's always fun stuff going on. What do we got this week? I know. That, yeah, I, it's crazy because I actually started working on the fall calendar which I won't share yet, but um, we do have lots of things to finalize, to finish out summer. Um, Tuesday, August 15th is the vegan brews and barbecue at Monica Brewery in Providence. Um, the evening features vegan comfort food, a special brand of soul food. There will be Southern staples, sandwich specials, including fried chicken, barbecue, mac and cheese, jambalaya, um, Cajun corn, beer cheese battered beyond burgers, um, and the menu is obviously vegan. It's 100% nut-free, and there are gluten-free options. So that sounds like if you're even if you're just vegan curious, 
I'm mm. always blown away how delicious vegan food actually can be. So definitely worth checking out. Um, Geeks Who Drink Trivia Night is Wednesday nights at Pizza J in Providence from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, it's modeled after pub quizzes in Ireland and the UK. It's an authentic homegrown trivia quiz. That's a great way to hang out with friends, get those brain cells going. Um, the place where useless knowledge means everything. There's everything from Hungary to Hunger Games, sports to science, Billboard Top 100, and much more. Um, teams can be up to six players, so bring your friends, come solo. Um, no reservation is needed, and winning teams get bar cash prizes and um, other prizes. And again, that's Wednesdays through September 27th, so you have a little bit of time to do that. Um, Wednesday, August 16th, 30th. This sounds like a great date night. So Wednesday, August 16th, 30th, and September 20th is the Lobster Boil and Sunset Sale um, with Newport Experience. It's one of the best ways to see the city by the sea. Um, Aurora will take you back to the Tall Ships era with its experienced crew. You can enjoy a traditional New England lobster boil at the regatta um, base and then with a one, one in one quarter pound lobster, mussels, corn on the cob, potatoes, um, or your choice of barbecue chicken. And there's cash bar during the dinner. It's BYOB on the sale. It starts at Goat Island at the S dock and it's 5 to 8 p.m. It's $80 for adults and $35 for kids under 12. So that, again, sounds like a great time. And there's three chances to get there before summer's over. Uh, throwback Thursdays are at the G Pub in Providence from 7 to 9.30. Catch all the top games, um, listen to your favorite throwback tunes, enjoy three sliders and two beers for $20. And there'll be weekly jersey giveaways and a big ticket prize each month. And again, that's Thursdays until September 21st. They have a little bit of time to do that too mm -hmm. and last but not least saturday august 19th is the warren folks festival at the collaborative in warren from 1 to 7 p.m it's a family friendly free festival it takes place in the back lot um, of 30 cutler street in warren there'll be nine musical acts performing between two stages um, there'll be art and wares from over 30 rhode island artists and makers and there'll be food and drinks from 13 vendors there's a free kids craft tent and there's also free bicycle repair services um, for flat tires, bent rims and brake adjustments, which is kind of a nice bonus. And the beer garden is solely sponsored by Narragansett Beer. And again, 100% of the proceeds go to the collaborative. So also sounds like a great event. Absolutely. Is that all five? That's all five. Wow. All right. It goes by quick, just like summertime. Make sure you check out riblogger.com. And uh, you can check out all the latest and greatest events and follow them into back to school time in fall. Wow. Before you know, it, it's going to be Christmas. I know. I know. As, as Actually, as I was uploading some events, I was noticing that Christmas events are already out there. They already have Halloween stuff in Lowe's. I was there yesterday. They already got all that stuff in Lowe's. Wild. Oh, yep. Wow. Yep. Well, awesome. Have a great day, Jennifer. Thank you very much. Thank you. You too. All right. Awesome. Hey, listen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it's been a great week. I'd like to thank Paul Salcone of North Point Bank, Ted Tapuzis of Tapuzis and Associates, also Greg Rice of Nexus Property Management, Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com, Bill George, our station manager, and of course, you, our listeners. Make sure to let me know if I can help you at all with any real estate advice buying or selling real estate, relocating anywhere around the world, 
401-359-2338. Go ahead and hit me up, 401-359-2338. God bless you. Thank you. We'll see you later. Take care.